Hey friends, you're listening to Go Home Bob or You're Drunk, an irreverent media podcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey everybody, this is Go Home Bible You're Drunk, the only podcast about the Bible that breaks the golden rule and isn't ashamed of it. My name is Justin. I'm a former pastor and a former evangelical, former, probably a former Christian. It really, it depends on the day. And that's the great thing about deconstructing is some days I can be like, no, I, no. And other days I can be like, yeah. I'm a Christian and it's okay (laughs) because life is a little bit like whose line is it anyway? The points don't matter. So, so that's me. I have a co-host. Hi. Yes. uh, I'm Tori and yeah, former Christian definitely feel comfortable saying that every week. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, but always trying to like learn more stuff and it's probably just the ADHD. So that's why we're here. Mm-hmm. ADHD. Learning more stuff about the Bible, the stuff that they didn't tell us for some reason. I wonder why that was. Yeah, there's there's a lot in here in this book, and and yet it's incredibly boring it, at the same yeah, time. Yeah, like how like impressively boring. Impressively boring, pr- probably because it it was not um it was not meant to be this widely read. You know. <laughs> yep. Everything had a target, a very niche target audience that was very interested in that topic. You know, the genealogy, your genealogy. Most people are interested in their genealogy. But Tori, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say you're probably not that interested in my genealogy. I mean, no, if you had it ready to go, I'd I'd spend 15 to 30 seconds looking at it. And then I'd put it down and never remember to look at it again. And I like you. Yeah, and that's fine. (laughs) I wouldn't even be offended, honestly, if I was like, here, Tori, here's my genealogy. Look at this thing I found. And you politely nodded. Oh, my gosh. You know, unless I'm, you know, related to someone really cool, no one cares. Really interesting. And uh, sorry, Omri, son of Habibidu, like, it's not interested, (laughs) not interested in that. And yet there's pages and pages and pages of it in the Bible. So, so yeah, it's just, you know, it, it, we, we try to make it interesting every week, folks, I guess is what we're trying to say. I feel like we do a good job. We find the interesting mm-hmm. bits. Yeah. And, and when it's, there aren't, there's, there's also a lot of gaps in the Bible and what it says about things. Like it doesn't say a lot about abortion, honestly, it says very little about queer people. And yet Christians try to fill in the blanks, you know, it says nothing really about you know, how, you know, what dental coverage is best for you and says, you know, or why your teeth aren't part of your body. (laughs) 
<laughs> according to health insurance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, how did that get divided up? Tell us that, Lord. Right. Yeah. Your eyes and your teeth. Exactly. Don't count. Every answer, the Bible, the answers are in the Bible, but somehow eyes and teeth are not part of your mm-hmm. body. Maybe because that's the part that gets left behind when you go to heaven. Perhaps. <laughs> it's not your clothes. It's just your teeth and your eyes. Yeah. That would be <laughs> horrific. <laughs> like, that would be so awful. People disappearing and it's just oh like eyeballs gosh. and teeth. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what is wrong with me today. That was really, really that weird. That was I'm... a level of body horror I was not expecting. <laughs> Yet I appreciate it. Um, I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. It's not articulated which pieces go and which pieces no, stay. No, it's really not. But, but people try, people try, and 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 that, and we get odd takes when that happens. For example, Tori and I were perusing the website Christianity Today, as we do, as we want yeah, to do, as, as you do on a random <laughs> Wednesday when you're like, huh, what are they saying today? And uh, so they had an interesting article up. I'm going to say it's written by A. Trevor Sutton, not A as in like. Not, not the definite uh, article. Yeah, this, is the def- this is just A. Dot, uh, Alan Trevor Sutton? I don't <laughs> no. Know. Not definitely Trevor Sutton. <laughs> or the Trevor definitely Sutton. Definitely not <laughs> Trevor Sutton? Definitely not. We don't, I've never heard of this person N- before. Never but before. Apparently he's written a book. I, I'm, about technology and the I'm Bible. I'm only mentioning his so. name to give him credit for the article. I do not know who he is, and I don't care to Google him. So, but anyway, neural implants. Should we become one with AI? Uh, and so I, I, I thought this was interesting, and Tori and I are going to probably tear this article apart, as as we do. But it's it just, to me, it really illustrated this odd thing that particularly evangelicals do. I don't think that, you know, Jewish people do this, you know, and I don't think that a lot of mainline folks do this as much, but evangelicals in particular, like when when they're faced with a problem that the Bible does not address, like dental coverage or neural implants, they <laughs> they still are like, what does the Bible say? They, about they this, make though? the Bible say something about it. And it, it's it's fascinating. It's yeah. weird. It gets, yeah, it gets weird. weird. So as Christians, we must prioritize thinking theology theologically about emerging technologies. I will that is that feels like a tongue twister. Um this whole thing is a tongue t- tongue twister. I also don't know that I agree, but continue. <laughs> yes. You know, and so it starts off with, you know, an ele- waxing poetic about uh, Sir Elon Musk and his startup Neuralink. Uh, barf. Which Tori <laughs> Someone who was in a research lab. Do you have mm. opinions about Neuralink? Mm-hmm. I I have so many opinions. It's not even funny. But I'll just say this before. It makes before me so for people mad. that don't know, Neuralink is one of Elon Musk's many launder money laundering schemes to get government money to do weird shit. And he it's it's basically you know wiring people's brains up to get them to interact with machines. I, honestly, I think the concept in and of itself is a bit horrifying. When put in the hands of a capitalist, um, altruistically, it could help with a lot of medical conditions, neurological conditions, you know, even you know, folks that are paralyzed. So, I mean, there are there are legitimate applications of this technology, but I have a feeling that in the hands of the Musk, it, it won't do that. So, uh, but anyway, his company is famously ethical. 
Am, am I correct? Mm, all of them, I believe. All of his companies are famously ethical. Mm-hmm. They don't hide the black employees in the back when he comes to the factory. Yeah, what are you talking that's about? That's crazy. If they did that, <laughs> that would be a racism. Uh, yeah, it sure would. The government might even have to get involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I'm, I don't like... This article is, I think, kind of mainly focusing on Neuralink and kind of the idea of like technology that is like implanted into your body. My 11 year old says that the main reason to never get an implant from Elon Musk is that you would get ads constantly playing in your brain, just random shit that you had no control that over. Sounds horrific. So, truly, he's like, what if you get home from work one day and like, you'll want to watch a movie and you have to sit through three ads first and they're all just playing in your eyeballs and you can't do anything. <laughs> like, well, and and I also feel like there would be a golden age of Neuralink where like you would get it and there would be no ads. And so everyone would get one. And then mm-hmm. suddenly like, yeah, then the ads would roll out and you've got, Monetize. You've got nothing. No way. You're going to remove it. No control. So I think that ostensibly or, Arguably, one could make the argument that the goal of Neuralink, which is implantable microchips, essentially, like they're not literally microchips, but implantable tech into the brain, again, ostensibly to do good things like helping people who are disabled, who have been in accidents. There's all kinds of genetic testing that's being developed right now, which is good and great. There's also already technology to help say someone who's paralyzed to be able to like feel their legs again. You know, that already exists. It's not widespread, right? We're not, we're not there yet. And it doesn't require like cutting someone's brain open. And yeah, as somebody who (laughs) worked in a lab, every time this, every time Neuralink comes up, I get like go into a rage (laughs) because this particular research study thing that he is doing he's doing it through uc davis which like i just i feel like the uc system i hold it in higher regard than this and i'm very angry that they're just going along with his bullshit so they're not following proper protocol at all they tortured multiple animals to death Mm -hmm. and the thing wasn't working right the implant was not working these animals who obviously couldn't consent to this procedure suffered miserably and died in agony. That's not legal Mm -hmm. in this country. Like even if you have, even if you're using animal, like for animal research, you were not allowed to torture animals to death. Like there's still limits on what you can do. So that outcome should have, I'm I'm not going to, we're not going to go into details, but it's, it's yeah, I don't even want to go in. It's, it's horrifying. And so I was, I'm reading about this and like having worked in a research lab and like, we didn't have any, you know, primates that we were doing anything to their brains or anything like that. Right. But there are, there are a few animals that were connected to other labs that we worked with sometimes. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's touchy anyway, like that whole subject. But then you're talking about animals that are quite intelligent and like know what's going on, have some amount of consciousness, even just like vaguely approximate to ours in some way. And 
yeah, they're they're being treated horribly. They're being tortured to death for funsies because Musk. So this should have automatically excluded his research study from getting approval for the next step, which is human research participants. It did not. So apparently it got IRB approval. I I personally think this is like my personal conspiracy theory, I guess. It's just because Elon Musk has money. That's literally like no mm-hmm. other no other research study that had this outcome with animals where it was known that you literally just tortured animals to death and didn't get any results that you needed in order to move on to the next step. Yeah, nobody else's research would get approved by the IRB for like human test subjects. That's bananas. When he when Elon Musk originally said Hey, we got approval. We can do human test subjects now. I was like, no, you fucking didn't. Like, there's that's that's not possible because, like, I know the rules. That doesn't your your research was not a, a like anywhere. It wasn't even even in the same like playing field as like just typical scientific research protocol. Like, you were not using that. But nope, he did somehow. And to the extent of my knowledge, there haven't been any consequences for him for like the outcomes of the previous study. And now he's uh, going to put things in human brains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, the thing about that is, so there's two, there's two things that I think are interesting. One is that the people that sign up for this are overwhelmingly going to be Elon Musk stands. So they're not going to get any data that is worth jack shit because they're all going to be highly motivated to give the responses that the researchers yeah, want. Yeah, they're going to be like some simps who's like nose is bleeding and they're like, no, yeah, I feel fine. I feel great. I feel great. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. So there's, it's not really possible. Like if people know what this research, what this research subject, if people know what, what research is actually being done. And I mean, obviously they are like, we know what university <laughs> is doing the research it's not you know uc davis isn't massive like it's not hard to find like the actual lab where they got approval for some reason to do this study so yeah he's gonna get a bunch of junk data and a bunch of people are going to suffer needlessly and the the tiniest amount of solace that i get from this is that they're mostly they're gonna be people who are opting in and they're gonna be people that like elon musk so mm-hmm. that's the only reason that I'm not particularly worried about it. Like I said, that we already have a, and you know, many neuroscientists, many researchers have like written uh an open letter to Musk and about Neuralink and they are very clearly like we have this technology already and it doesn't require drilling holes in people's brains. You need to give this up because this is mm-hmm. n- this is unethical. So that exists, right? You can go, you can Google that and just, and just read it. I completely agree with them. (laughs) Obviously like I'm biased and whatever, but uh, you didn't get any usable data from your last, last version of your research thingamajig. So you're not going to get great data from a bunch of like fanboys. Like that's just not how data works. So so it's a mess. Like, and, and I feel like the way to wade into this Christianly would be to be, to be like, uh, fuck no like we don't we don't we don't cut on people's brains for a billionaire's hubris period mm-hmm. but christianity mm-hmm. today doesn't do that um <laughs> like <laughs> I, I feel like i i do feel pretty confident to say that if we brought jesus up if we brought jesus 
back to life. And <laughs> the witch of Endor. And we uh we we brought him up to speed. I I am pretty confident that he'd be like, fuck no, we don't cut on people's brains for a billionaire's hubris. <laughs> I I feel pretty confident. You know, I, I think you're I think you're absolutely right. I I really do. And you know. But I'm not one to presume a lot about if Jesus were alive in 2024, but I think you're absolutely mm -hmm. right on yeah. that. So, you know, so neural implants, you know, that this is this is just kind of the, kind of picking back up on the Christianity Today article, but just wanted to kind of get people up to speed on just the the horrors of Neuralink uh -huh. and just this and this technology in general. Even if it wasn't Elon Musk, the idea that we're going mm -hmm. to cut into your brain and mm -hmm. put something in there that was created by a for-profit company. I know. I'm sorry. Like, imagine if this were like Pfizer or Moderna that were doing this. Mm -hmm. People would be like, no, fuck no. That's the mark of the beast. But because Elon Musk is doing it, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Elon Musk can horrifically maim people. And it's, you know, it's for the good of humanity. I don't know. His his press, man. I Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, like, you know, here here's a here's an idea. Like, they, this is from the article. Terrifying fear or techno pessimism imagines a dystopian future where human beings become dispassionate and dependent machines. Uh, while limitless hope or techno-optimism imagines an a utopic future where technology solves all our woes. The latter logic flows... And, and, and like, the logical jumps in this article are kind of... Thinking in binary also, like, yeah, why? why? The latter logic flows as follows. AI cannot outpace human intelligence if we are one with it. In other words, if you can't beat AI, join it. Which, to me, I'm sorry, buddy, but you're conflating a lot of technologies here. Like, that, like that, you know, Neuralink being able to interact with a computer will make me one with AI. Like, that's we're we're, we're several generations no. away from that being the conversation. Yeah, not even remotely close. No, they're not the same to thing. Be but like, and then he quotes a couple of things, but basically the fundamental choice, which is, you know, this techno optimism versus techno future pessimism, which I think you can be both. But anyway, and which this pretension rests is a radical one and thus religious in character. So I think this is where we want to park it for a little bit, because it's this idea that any problem that is big or difficult or complex must be religious in nature. like. Mm -hmm going to the moon is a religious thing, you know, creating, you know, human, you know, machine interfaces is religious in nature. I, I don't know, like going warp five or something is religious in nature. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of things, you know, like, you know, building replicators, <laughs> totally. is, you know, and I, I find it interesting that like, that that's the pivot. Like we, it's it's almost like we here's a problem we don't know how to solve it but but trust us we do we're like we're we're the only answer we're the only place to go anything that inspires awe or wonder or fear or any great human emotion must fundamentally be religious in nature and i and i personally i kind of reject that generally mm -hmm. but i i think it's it's also it's it's an interesting way to try to frame this debate <laughs> Yeah, I completely agree. And it, like his his argument, it, like kind of a, from the jump of like, we have to view this issue theologically. 
I personally take issue with that framing because theological, a theological lens is not a consistent lens, right? Mm -hmm. There is no such thing as a theological lens. (laughs) That's nonsense, first of all. Using your theological lens also, like, if you're if you're like an evangelical Christian, your theological lens is very incoherent. I absolutely think that we need to be viewing this through an ethical lens. And there are experts that exist, people who do technology ethics, who ask these questions and know what questions to ask, which is sometimes more important (laughs) than asking the questions is knowing what to ask. I think that is important, right? Because I think that, I think that ethics understands that it is a construct and, and that it has limitations and that things change, right? Like the world changes, people change, technology changes. A theological framework doesn't have that, right? That's, that's not, there's no wiggle room there. <laughs> people are, are inherently the same, you know, Adam and Eve and you and me, you know, we're exactly alike through a theological lens. <laughs> I mean, post, post, you know, post Garden of Eden, right? We're identical. And so I think that like, whatever this, whatever his theological lens is that he is using, isn't, it can't be consistent because you're starting with a book that's not consistent. So you're already picking and choosing. So like, just don't frame it that way, right? Just like ask the question, because I don't think that the questions he's asking are necessarily even bad questions. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're the right questions. But I think it's fine for believers to ask these questions. But saying like this is a theological lens, these are theological questions and questions of religion, mm-hmm. like just admit the limitations of your thing, right? Instead of saying the Bible is a tool for every problem. Yeah. And then you turn it into, right? And then it becomes assault because you have no other tools. Yeah, just and, the one. And it's, and it's kind of obvious. It seems like he has. Well, there is a Christian technological kind of philosopher he cites in the article, but it's also it's also obvious that they they seem to have cribbed from sources that were you know tech tech eth- tech ethicists, and then they just kind of add a Bible verse to it. You know, so like they ask mm-hmm. the question, like you know the the first question, which I honestly think is a decent question, like do we want this? You know, perfect. Like, great question. Great to question ask. to ask when it Absolutely. comes to Neuralink, when it comes to AI, like generally, you know, our mm-hmm. tech overlords are kind yeah, of pushing truly. AI all over the place on us. And I think a good question to ask is, do I want this? Does this actually benefit my life? And you know, cause that's, that's not a bad thing. New iPhone comes out. Do I actually want or need this? Not a bad question, mm-hmm. you know, but then, but then he yeah. like throws in like the Bible says much about human ambitions and desires and about how our wants often become our wardens, you know, and scripture is full of characters, Adam and Eve desire, you know, and it's like Israel wanted a king like other nations only to be ultimately disappointed, which I really wish they would reply that to Trump anyway, um, <laughs> you know, but it's like, okay, that's fine. The, uh, your thing maybe says something vaguely about that, but I don't need your thing to ask that question. Like, right. And I think that I think that your thing kind of hinders us, right? Because American Christianity is so fucking like hyper individualistic and like insular and just kind of myopic that it's like, yes, do I want this? Do we want this? Great question. 
but not a question. You can't answer that question for like your disabled neighbor. Right. Mm -hmm. And there might be different answers. Okay. Like maybe this is a thing that like some people should absolutely have access to because they need it. And the rest of us should not have access to it. You can't just go and sign up for a thing, right? And take it away from somebody mm-hmm. who's disabled and actually needs this tool yeah, or resource. Like something that you can put in your brain that raises your IQ 30 points. Like IQ is not real. Sorry. Uh, yeah, just <laughs> colloquially. Sorry. No, yeah. I know. No, I understand. Increases uh, your cognitive capacity who, by 30%, let's say. You know. There like, you go. Okay. Everybody who believes in Neuralink also believes in IQ, so that's yeah, fine. Yeah, um, I'm using their terms. It was a good metric um, to use. <laughs> So, but yeah, like, okay, for someone who has been in a car accident, or maybe someone who was just born with whatever, some kind of incredible deficiency, like, yeah, I think that would radically change their life in a positive way. Some rich dude who's like, I just want to be smarter than the peasants. Like, Mm -hmm. no, thank you. Because you would use that intelligence for evil. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, again, it's just like the complete absence of like, community thought right? Like the complete absence of, of thinking. I I don't know if, if it's right to say thinking communally, but like having a community lens is like, just tells me that like his, his analysis overall is kind of poor Mm -hmm. because this is not, this isn't a technology that only, that only affects like certain people, which means we have to be having these discussions, but he's not, he's not really, to me, it doesn't feel like he's, having the discussions again he's not i don't feel like he's asking the right questions like he's asking some good questions but like not necessarily the right ones yeah and i mean it's touched on and you know i can give certain amount of credit you know like societal detriments and things like that but again it like he punts to jesus you know and saying you know loving your neighbors as yourself which we'll talk about later but like you know how would neural implants serve our neighbor but it's just like okay like why why also why are you qualified to answer that question like this Mm, is something that i talk about all of the time i bring it up constantly it drives me crazy they believe that they have the right to determine what other people's experiences Mm -hmm. are right like i get to dictate to you what your reality is so i get to look at this thing this ethical or theological dilemma and decide for you because i know better than you because i'm a christian Mm -hmm. so god stuff what your experiences is, is how you would benefit from this. Like, I don't even have to have a conversation with you. I just know these things in again, like that's harmful. Like that yeah. framing is, is harmful to people. Yeah. 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 That, that's a great point that it's, it's, yeah, it's basically like here, read this article, you Christian, and you determine the best path for you. Have you answered those questions and without, are, are we going to consult together? You know, are we, are, right. are we, you know, are we going to, are we going to consult experts who are not Christians? Like, and that's the thing too. Every person he cites in this article is a Christian. And I guarantee if you go down deep enough, probably those people are cribbing off people that aren't Christians, but like, but it's, it's, it is this kind of interesting thing. And that, and this is why I think evangelical Christianity, and I would even lump political conservatism as it exists in the United States is fundamentally unable to tackle the issues that we face. And I mean, this is a relatively innocent article on Christianity today, but it just, it like it's, they pose the exact same questions when it comes to climate change, you know, Mm -hmm. like 
Yeah. Oh my like, God. Right. You know, the, you know, do we want, how do does we, this impact do we, me? Do, yeah. Does this impact me at what, what would, you know, at what cost is another question they ask. Like what's the cost to fix it? You know, who benefits from it being fixed? Well, we're talking about climate change. Like, Oh, well, if I don't Mm -hmm. benefit directly from it in a tangible way in the next year and it's going to cost a lot of money, then, yeah, I guess, I guess, you know, if I'm going to think theologically about this, I'm just going to let God sort it out. Like, Mm -hmm. and I mean, you could just go down the line issue by issue. This, this, yeah, this very individualistic, this very like, I will pray in my own prayer closet and I will determine what is right for me and mine. And right. And 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 consulting a two thousand year old book that 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 was good for some things, but not for anything that we face. Honestly, I would even say the Constitution is not very good for anything we face, and it's only two hundred years right, old. You right. know, like yeah. So, and again, that's not e- that's not me even saying these are bad works of literature or law or whatever. I, I mean, I I could, mm-hmm. but I'm just currently not saying that. It's just it's right. just being realistic about the fact that the world has changed drastically, even in the last 50 years. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we need to update our ethics and update our sources of where we get ethical frameworks before we can even mm-hmm. start having conversations. Right. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that like a theological lens, like as a tool, I think it's fine to use if you happen to be like a religious person, it's not like my angle here isn't like anti-religious. It's just like your, your tool, your like 2000 year old tool. Like if you want to hang on to that, cause that is important to you. Okay. That's fine. But you don't get, you're not in the front of the line, right? Like your opinion doesn't matter more mm-hmm. or even equally, frankly, to other people's needs and the impacts that this will have on, on different communities and mm-hmm. so forth. And and um, I can think of probably six well-defensible biblical positions that are wildly contradictory when it comes to this kind of technology. Mm, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, you're welcome to the table, but I'm sorry, you don't get to sit at the head. <laughs> You're you're not the most important person here. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Uh, yeah. No, that's a great that's a great point. Like, it's fine if that's something that you want to bring if you find value in that as as a tool. Again, but the Bible is not the only tool. Like, period. That's at the end. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like use a theological lens if that is important to you. But it doesn't supersede. Is that the right word? It's not more important than like a consistent ethical framework that's, you know, asking questions outside of like me and society. Um. Yeah. I, I actually, I think if we're, if we're going to use theology, I think that it should be done in service to creating a consistent ethical framework and not be mm, used to replace a, point. a consistent ethical framework. That's such a great I, point. So I, yeah. like, because yep. again, I, I mean, we do have a lot of listeners that are folks that are still very religious and, you know, very, and I, I, I respect that. But I think that 
like we have to, I think the goal should be what is the ethical framework that I'm going to live in the world and I'm going Mm -hmm. to use and, and that I can, that I can also change as the world changes. Right. Yeah. And I pull from many different sources to come to that conclusion. And one of them can absolutely be the Bible and absolutely can be your theological tradition and can be Martin Luther and John Calvin and whoever else the greatest hits you want to, you know, I I would recommend throwing in some liberation theologians, but you know, that's just me. Yeah. Yeah. But like, that's fine. But like that needs to be a source. Nah, Mm -hmm. this is the only thing I read. So this is kind of my take on it. Yeah. I'm I'm inclined to agree very much, actually. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. This has been an interesting conversation. I'm sure we'll continue to hear news about Neuralink. Unfortunately. Hopefully the news will be it's shut down. Um. <laughs> yeah, truly. Hopefully the news won't be people are dying. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll uh, take a little break for capitalism, and then we'll talk about the golden rule or the greatest commandment. A- AKA. AKA. <laughs> um, anyway, the, the, the verse that is, is part of the ethical framework that I think Jesus was trying to create. Yeah. Right. We'll see yeah. how it holds up. Hey, everybody. Thanks for putting up with our little capitalism break. If you would like to avoid the ads, you are more than welcome to do that. You can uh, support the show by going to, again, I'm going to, I'm just going to say gohomebible.com. That doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, Patreon.com slash gohomebible. Uh, that is where the things are. You will not find anything at gohomebible. And yeah, you can sign up at any tier that you would like. If you sign up at the youth pastor tier or above, you get a life first. Anybody who signs up, anybody who pledges an amount, because I guess now you can sign up and just be a fan, which you know, whatever, fine. That's interesting. Um, yeah. Anybody who signs up and like pledges an amount gets to like join our discord and, you know, have conversations, offer suggestions for subjects for us to discuss and hang out with a cool, a very cool group of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So patreon.com slash go home Bible. If you can do that, or if you can't, if you could leave us a five-star review, Anywhere you happen to be blasting your app, uh, your podcast app from whatever that whatever that app looks like. Yeah, that would also be greatly appreciated. And so, and, uh, and yeah. writing a review is wonderful. And if you're like, I'm not good with words, say five stars. Great podcast. <laughs> That's that works. That works. OK, OK, but I have to I have to be honest, like the people, the people that listen to this show actually are really good with words and leave us they very are. kind. Like I will reviews. say our reviews. So I don't think that's no, a problem. But five stars. Great. Five stars and words. Greater Even better. Than great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, honestly, the reviews and and also the support with the Patreon community, it's it's incredible and yeah, very much appreciate it. Yes, indeed. All right. So we're going to talk about the golden rule slash the greatest commandment for those of you that maybe not know, we're going to use um, the one out of Matthew. There's other places that's listed and there's a teacher of the law coming to test Jesus and says, teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied love the Lord, your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. 
love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus does like kind of a twofer mm. there. What's mm-hmm. the greatest commandment? Oh, I'm going to give you two. We're going to talk right. about these more, but I did want to pause for a second and give a bit of a conundrum to kind of kick us off. Because Jesus, you know, famously is asked for one answer and he gives two. Okay. Here's the conundrum. If you could remove one of these, one of the greatest, one of the commandments. greatest commandments, either the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, or the another one, or the other one, love your neighbor as yourself, which one would you choose to remove? Indeed. Which would alter history forever? Probably not. But <laughs> let's just pretend it does. It, it might, could. honestly, if if it was if I think if it was just because I think that people have very successfully loved God with all their heart, mind, soul, strength, more of those things than they even possess. People have overwhelmingly failed to love their neighbors. And yeah, I think that it might it may legitimately have changed the course of history if there was no love the Lord your God. Mm-hmm. If loving God led to loving loving your neighbor, then we wouldn't have to it wouldn't matter which one you got rid of. But it doesn't. That which sucks. That is which is why we're talking about this today. This is definitely why we're talking about this. And my favorite thing too is that I believe it's yeah, it's in it's in Luke, where like the next question that he's asked is, So who's my neighbor? Like if I have to love my neighbor as myself, whomst is my neighbor? Nope. Which don't like that. Feels like the most human slash religious response. Like, okay, you're going to give me a rule, but who does this rule apply to? Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To I think that like when this when this comes up, like when this comes up on social media, I've I've noticed that there are a lot of evangelicals asking this question mm-hmm. now. Well, like who, who is my neighbor? Mm-hmm. Right. Cause it's like the Bible actually does say a lot about immigrants it says, welcome them. If you mm-hmm. want just like a brief overview of the like hundreds of times that it mentions this. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> right. It, but it, it, and it's just, it's really interesting to see this pivot in evangelicalism. It, horrifying. It, it's, it's terrifying too, but, um, yeah this the sincerely asking like okay but who's my neighbor like who even counts as my neighbor which is you know i think that justin this is part of this question is a huge part of why i left i'm sure it's a huge part of why Mm -hmm. you left because yeah you know i've said it a million times but i i thought that they were serious when they said love your neighbor yes and then i don't know what it was specifically about about michael brown being killed and ferguson Mm. But for some reason, they decided that was the day, <laughs> like that was the time where it's like, I, mm, I don't know, hoods off. Like, we, yeah, we don't actually love our neighbors around here. Yeah. <laughs> like, you got to behave a certain way if you want to have access to like, not just not just like, not just for me to consider m- you my neighbor, like you need to behave a certain way in order to like reach that that level of of humanity, even. But like. You know, it wasn't even that. It was like you need to behave a certain way in order to reach like the bare minimum of like human rights, like legal rights that you have in this country. <laughs> it's like, yeah, the the, the okay, laws that are already written to protect that. you, you don't qualify unless right unless you behave unless you're a good boy. And that's yeah. and that and, you know and that I felt that way you know as far back even as Trayvon Martin, it was like, well, mm-hmm. he wasn't actually George Zimmerman's neighbor. You know, 
he right. was he was yeah. a, a trespasser you know like it's like jesus christ like and, and well and i saw it in the pandemic too like you know especially because there were mm-hmm. a lot of us that were like hey y'all love your neighbor as yourself like put on a fucking mask and they're like right. well, those people aren't yep. my neighbor like my neighbor actually I, I saw i can't remember i was talking to you about this just personally me and you were talking or if this was on air i, I can't remember but like I, I saw several people on Facebook be like, my neighbor is my immediate family. Like, like that's who my neighbor is. My neighbor is no. my, my, no. my spouse and my kids. Like they, they had a word for your immediate, immediate family in Hebrew yeah. and it wasn't, and it wasn't neighbor. neighbor. Exactly. <laughs> it, and so like, it's, it's fascinating and also kind of gross and terrifying. Like how mm-hmm. quickly they will pivot to not mm-hmm. do this thing. And, th- and then this is kind of why mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about this today was like, this is allegedly the greatest commandment. This is, you know, Jesus is saying literally all of the law, all of the prophets, everything boils down to these two things, loving God and loving your mm-hmm. neighbor as yourself. I always feel like I need to add the as yourself part. Cause I feel like it's an important qualifier, but, but it's, it's like they utterly fail to do that. Every every opportunity they are given to step up and love neighbor, they historically have just fumbled the ball. And this isn't everyone. This isn't every evangelical ever. It's not every conservative ever. Just as a movement, they fail to do that. And honestly, I think failing to love neighbor is a failure to love God. If we're going to use a Christian framework, you know, like it's so Mm -hmm. you can't even say like, well, at least I loved God. No, you didn't. You know, you didn't. Because if you didn't love the person in front of you, you didn't love God. That's also in the Bible, too. Yeah. So, yeah. If you don't love your neighbor, was it your neighbor, your brother, mm-hmm. whom you have mm-hmm. seen? How can you love God whom you have, you have not, not seen? seen? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Burp, burp, burp. You don't love God. <laughs> um, so, like, and, 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 I, and also it begins, it, this is where I start to ask questions about I understand that there is a value in making sure that we don't fall into the trap of saying like true Christians, not true Christians, you know, where it's like, oh, mm-hmm. the people that do mm-hmm. bad things, they're not true Christians. I don't want to fall into that moral trap. But at mm-hmm. a certain point, I do feel the need to be like, if you have utterly failed to do everything that Jesus asked you to do, other than just, like you just kind of wear him as a mascot. Like, like, in what sense are they Christians? I think is a question I have because, like, you you can't even mm-hmm. the most you don't even don't even try to obey the greatest commandment. Right? It's like don't meet. Yeah, it's like you don't meet the bare minimum qualifications mm-hmm. unless calling yourself a Christian is like the bare minimum. Yeah, if that's the bare minimum qualification, right. then sure, I guess you are. But if the right. bare minimum right. qualification is like kind of paying somewhat anything. Yeah. Beyond that, like they've anything beyond just saying the words, yeah. It just as a movement, conservative evangelicalism in America fails, yeah, yeah, because they're using this theological lens. I don't know why I'm even thinking about this, but for some reason, like the Crusades popped into my head, and I think that there was like probably there was this idea of like that was a way to like love God and love your Mm -hmm. neighbor, it's like killing the Muslims, (laughs) like you know, it was like we're loving our 
Jewish neighbors or something. I, they were probably anti-Semitic. They, I don't yeah, know. they killed a lot of um, they killed was, a lot of Jews and was, Muslims and Christians. It was, what year? God, what year was that? Was that 1066 or was this a different? I, I keep, mean, I'm there were so many crusades. I mean, allegedly Christopher Columbus was trying to get money for another crusade, like from the New World. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's, we need right. So, but their interpretation again of loving your neighbor is, oh, I need to kill you because you are not a Christian, and like it's this is how far back that this uh, mindset goes of like. I know what your experience is better than you do. I get to dictate your experience to you. If I say I'm loving you, then I can kill you in love because that's what God would want me to do. And you're the bad guy. So you shouldn't like, you don't deserve to exist. Something that I thought about today that like kind of blew my mind a little bit, like along these same, same lines, right? Because, you know, we mentioned a, a week or two back this idea of like, love being this thing that is like, I get to tell you what love is. Mm -hmm. I get to tell you how you experience love and you know, what you tell me about how you experience love is irrelevant. Right. And something that I was thinking about because I like this had come to my mind of, Oh, well, you know, if I can't see you loving me air quotes, Mm -hmm. what difference does it make? Like you can say, I love you all day long. If I don't perceive that, if there's nothing there for me, then like, how is that? That doesn't do that doesn't do anything for me. Like you just saying a thing to make yourself feel better. But what occurred to me today is that because like fundamentalist Christianity specifically, there's so much that you believe in that you cannot see, right? Like the entire premise is believing a thing that you can't mm-hmm. see is real and exists, right? So it makes perfect sense through that lens that them saying, oh, I love you. I want good things for you, which is why you can't be gay, right? I want good things for my kids so they can't be trans. Sorry, I love them too much. It's that same kind of mindset of like, oh, I believe in this thing, but I can't see it, right? Like nobody mm-hmm. can see the thing, but it's real. It's it's It feels very much like the same lens of like, I don't have to show you love in a way that you receive love because that's not what real love is. Hmm. Real love is invisible, right? Like you experiencing it or not experiencing it is irrelevant. I decide what that is. I determine what that is. I dictate that to you because I have power and you don't. And it's interesting to you because it's like, as I understand faith, like faith is more like my understanding of God. But like the Bible is also pretty clear that like our relationships with each other can be seen and can be measured. Like. Mm And so, I mean, this is why, this is why I think it's important, like, love your neighbor as yourself. Like, oh, okay, like, I, like, can tangibly understand what love is like as I receive it, you know. And so I want, I want these things to happen to other people as well. Well, yeah, but I think that when you're talking about a group of people who don't love themselves in any tangible Mm -hmm. way, right, again, it's like they're punishing themselves and calling it love. So mm-hmm. if you say like, love your neighbor as yourself, you're, you know, they, they literally say it's like, yeah, if I were gay, I would want someone to torture me until I stopped being gay. Mm-hmm. That's what they think love is, which again, it's like, okay, maybe you feel that way, but like, I, I don't agree. So I don't have to do that to you. Yeah. That's not loving myself. <laughs> right. Like, right. Exactly. And I don't know. That's, that's like where it gets really sticky for me is because 
it's like when you're talking about when when they're talking about love so often they're talking what they mean is punishment Mm -hmm. right it's like i am going to punish you until you behave in the way that i want you to behave until you become the person i want you to become which i say this all the time it's like my catchphrase or whatever but like punishment doesn't work so just quit that now i guess um like you can get some very very short-term behavior change but it's like 30 minutes right that's not like a long-term solution to a thing again evangelicals don't understand even the most basic things about like nervous system responses so you know it's all angels and demons up there i guess just duking it out that's what your depression is yeah, man, then th- this is this is where I this is where I really really struggle with evangelicals just like as a group is is their inability to you know and it's I think it's because of hell, eternal conscious torment. Mm-hmm. It's like a loving God sends most people to hell. Kind of all bets are n- nothing I would do is to you in order to love yeah, you is exactly. worse than that. So mm-hmm. like I'm yep. I'm falling in line. And I guess too. Now, the more I think about this, and the more I kind of, and thinking about too, like our earlier discussion, like the golden rule, whatever I don't know, greatest commandment. It is still like I don't actually. I don't think that Jesus necessarily meant it like this. And I imagine if I looked at the Greek, it would be a more. It'd be more of a plural you, like love the Lord your Mm. God collectively the collective y'all mm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. love your collective, your neighbor as yourself. Right. But in yeah. the United States, we've individualized all that. Yep. You know, so I'm the one that gets to, you know, and so it, it is, it is actually interesting. Even if I was to use this in a way to develop some kind of ethical framework, it still puts you at the center of the moral yeah. universe. Like, yep. And my thoughts, my perceptions, my, you know, and, and, like how I think love is how I think my neighbor should be who I perceive God to be who I perceive what loving God even looks like. You're really making me hate pronouns right now, Justin. (laughs) (laughs) They are less than helpful. I kind of, I kind of, I kind of hate it. I kind of hate pronouns. You especially Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, Oh God. Oh my God. I'm going to use that forever. Yeah, well, be, be, when people do the pronouns. There are, thing. there are so many, and this is kind of something they teach it. They taught us very early on as we were kind of studying Greek and studying the new Testament is that like most uses of the word you, I'll say 90% are plural, are plural like, dang, you know? So like when Paul is talking, most of his letters are collective you, you know, you, or, right. it's, it's all y'all. Yeah. And but that's not quote proper. And so it just get you know, yeah, yeah. Little linguistic lesson, folks, your language shapes how you perceive the world. And like, mm-hmm. and when we have a language in English that essentially does not have a plural, mm-hmm. you know, or it, it's interchangeable. It's so funny that that like the plural you y'all mm-hmm. is slang. Yeah. It's not even considered a real word, quote unquote. Yeah. Which is so interesting mm-hmm. when you put it when like through this lens, like that is fascinating. Mm-hmm. And and then like how fucked up our interpretations of the Bible get when because of because that. we see you and think me mm-hmm. through no mm-hmm. fault of our own. It's just the language that we it's this this is the operating system that we live in. 
Right. Yeah. That's it's why people should study different languages. Um, it turns <laughs> out there's more than one way to say something or describe a thing. Man, that's wild. I didn't. I didn't. I don't think that I like fully put that together. But I'm glad that I know it. I appreciate your little fun fact, fun Greek facts with Justin. Um. <laughs> like a little jingle. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Right. That's exactly what it is, man. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know how, okay. So this is something that I've been struggling with in like my struggle to love my white evangelical neighbor who makes me like grind my teeth and pull my hair out. I don't have a literal white evangelical neighbor. I was actually going to ask, is this a literal neighbor or is this just a general neighbor? No, 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 no. I am like, I have a lot of, I have a lot of people around me. There's, I'm trying to think like most of them aren't white people. The white people that are here are mostly partnered with non-white people. So like, I don't, I don't have that, but yeah, My my struggle lately has been, right, because it's like the evangelicals have this thing of like they are like, oh, well, people who leave the church are deeply unhappy, mm-hmm. right? Like people who deconstruct are just like miserable and angry and hate everybody and hate everything. And I think that there is definitely like a phase that you go through <laughs> in deconstructing where, you, where you're you like, yeah, I fucking hate everybody. Mm-hmm. I am angry and unhappy and depressed. Does, right doesn't last forever mm-hmm. right for it does that that phase just isn't permanent and but then like we look at them and we're like god those people are fucking miserable mm-hmm. and they're like oh i'm so happy i'm fine everything is good like god has blessed me yada 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 and so tr- i've been really struggling with like okay how do i acknowledge that like they sincerely think in in like their minuscule sliver of human experience that they allow themselves to have. They sincerely believe that within that, within that like invisible, like hair width line, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like they're experiencing joy, right? They're, they're experiencing love and like community and and what all of those things are supposed to be about. And they're probably experiencing the most joy and the most love that they have. They can possibly experience right in that space. Like, I mean, that that is what I thought, you know, like, totally. Yes, absolutely. It's really like, I mean, I'll just, I'm just being honest. Like it's when you get out and you like experience love in a more genuine way, or you experience joy or name the emotion. Mm -hmm. It's like being on psychedelics. Like Mm -hmm. it's like there is a new color and Mm -hmm. that I did not know existed. Yes. Like there is a new yeah. way of being in the world that I had no language for. I had yep. no nothing. Like and, no conceptualization of whatsoever. And like, this is what fucking love is. Like, mm-hmm. w- you know, and so mm-hmm. that's like, and that's a great experience, but it's also like, oh, I, I, I lived diminished for so long. And so now it's like, I, I, I want to chase more of this to see if, mm-hmm. you know, like, can I, can I love more? Can I be more kind? Can I have a more expansive way of viewing the world? Like in that permission to even do that is, right. is amazing and intoxicating mm-hmm. and good. But it's also like, damn, like, yeah, this, the, you just, you, you've only experienced this, like the, the approved mm-hmm. version of this emotion. Yeah, definitely. 
I remember, and I may have mentioned this before, but I remember reading something, uh, it might have been in like Brio or some like women's magazine, like Christian Girls, I Christian Women's this. Magazine, something like that. But there was, this question was being asked by this like younger woman or girl, like, you know, how come, like, I don't know, it was like, how come God hasn't brought me a husband yet or whatever? <laughs> And like, I was so struck by this response that was that I, I found fascinating and still find very fascinating and kind of enlightening about the way evangelicals think was that it was like, oh, well, God gives some people like all of the colors to like paint their lives and God and God gives some certain people one or two colors to paint their lives. And both of those, we need to be equally grateful for both of those things. And that like never that example never fucking left me because I was like, what mm. the hell is happening right now? I mean, I guess if you believe that like God creates everybody, then like, yeah, he does give a lot of people fewer colors because colorblindness is a thing. But like, that's mm-hmm. fucked up. Like that that's- framing is really messed up. But I think that within that, within those two colors, a lot of them do find joy. Mm-hmm. Not much, but they have nothing to compare it to. So they don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's and it's funny that they like point us to be like, well, you you don't actually know the real thing. It's like, no, I experienced it. I experienced everything I could in your mm-hmm. little circle there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, compared to a lot of evangelicals, I did it better than them, too. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, for sure. Know, like, if, for sure. Know, Paul says, you know, I was the most, you know, if, if someone could have been saved by the law, it would have been me. Yeah, I, Paul, I, I'm. I've done that too. Same, like, like hard same. You know, been there, done that. So like, I I obeyed all your rules. Like mm-hmm. I and I obeyed them better than you know probably my mom or my dad or anyone else that gave them to me. Like, yeah. So I, I've done the thing, and 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 I have experienced being outside of the thing. Mm-hmm. So if anyone is a subject matter expert <laughs> on how great evangelicalism is. I think it's me and you and the people and, and people that have been in fully and been out mm-hmm. like yeah. are much better equipped to be like, okay, I actually can tell you that what you say is joy is not that yeah, thing. Right. Right. Or, or you're, you're experiencing less maybe of what you could be experiencing mm-hmm. simply by being in this. Oh my gosh. You know, yeah. I mean, that's such a, that's such a great example. I, I think that like something else that I'm thinking of is like, if you grow up in the desert, right. And you've just never seen snow, then you have no idea what that's fucking like. Mm-hmm. And you don't really have a conceptualization of it. Like, you know, it's a thing that exists, but you don't know what it's like to experience it. It's like, you can see pictures, you can watch videos, but like, that's not, it's not part of your experience. I think it's very much like that, right? It's like, oh, you know, well, I I can see other people doing these things, but it's like, it's just, it's just different. Like, I'm sorry, it is. I know like sandboarding is a thing and like, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. If you're taking like a, I don't know, if you're taking something out and like hanging out and doing fun shit on the sand, like that's real. Doesn't really compare to snow. Like, I'm just going to say it. Yeah, sand is not snow. Sand is not snow. And and I think that saying like, no, I'm an expert on snow and sand because I've only experienced sand is no, you're not. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah. how they argue it. Yeah. And, and this is why like something as profound, honestly, as the phrase, love your neighbor as yourself mm-hmm. is 
absolutely lost on them. Yep. Because the, the, the human experience is so diminished. Mm -hmm. Like you, you don't get the full picture. And, and I think that, and I think that a lot of profound religious texts are are meant to be received by people that have done some living. Mm. And that's and, interesting. And yeah. if you and if you bypass that, then yeah, you're just you're just left with a lot of rules and a lot of bullshit, right? That you've kind of cobbled together from other people's experiences. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's. Carl Jung kind of famously didn't take students under the age of 30. Hmm. Yeah. Because he was kind of like, you need to have lived a little bit of life before right. you can before you can really handle what I'm trying to teach you. Yeah. So and I kind of like maybe don't be a Christian until you're 30. Um yeah, totally fair. Like, and then and then maybe you'll be able to handle it. And maybe you'll handle it with care and maybe you'll carry the tradition into something better. But if you're indoctrinated from birth to you know don't look at porn don't be gay because that's what god wants you know like oh no <laughs> like oh gosh you're yeah. probably gonna get a lot of republicans honestly mm, too many of them in any mm-hmm. case yeah. yeah that's a bummer well that, that's all i have yeah i appreciated this though this it's was good giving me a was... lot to think about actually yeah, it's the same. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It's like it's always a good evangelicals and 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 the golden rule. Always a good subject. Mm-hmm. Never, there's never, there's never any less subject matter to discuss. Or, yeah, it's perennial content. <laughs> Truly timeless. Oh my god. Oh, okay. All right. Cool. Well, um, have a great week, folks, um, and, and love your neighbor as yourself. Which but, means you have to love yourself. But love like yourself. Being, being being kind to yourself. Yeah. Do that. This is, be, I'm, I'm, I'm commanding you. This is your New Year's resolution. Yeah. Self-compassion. Be good to you, and the yeah. rest will come out of that. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. We'll see you. <laughs>